Hi guys, welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. We are here weekly working at simplifying things in our lives one day at a time, one simple step at a time. I'm your host, Michelle Visser, and today we're continuing along with talking about things that we need in our diet daily and what we need to know about these things. So far this season, we've talked about salt and sprouts and sugars and fats. And last episode was fermented foods. So today it seemed appropriate enough that we should talk about fermented drink, specifically kombucha. It is a really interesting topic. So I hope you join me, whether it's something you've been making yourself for years or you have no idea what I'm talking about. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, I think you're going to find this episode really interesting. If nothing else, we're going to be talking about some really fascinating things about gut health. So I'm glad you're with me. Before we dive in, um, a couple things I want to make sure that you know. If after listening to this episode, you decide, you know, I really want to know more about how to make my own kombucha, I actually have an entire masterclass, 12 modules with lots of videos and all kinds of downloadables and printables to walk you through everything you need to know to literally be an expert at making the perfect kombucha every time. It's something that I knew as soon as I nailed it myself about a decade ago. And I figured out all the details I needed to know to make this stuff perfectly. Okay, not perfectly. I still make mistakes. I still let my kombucha go vinegary sometimes. But for the most part, nailed it. When I, when I figured out the right teas, the right details, I just knew this was something I wanted to put together to help others understand this. So it was actually the first course of its kind that I personally created, first um, masterclass I ever tried to put together because it was important to me to help others know how to do this. So it's Kombucha Academy. And if you use code podcast, which I'm mentioning nowhere else, this is just for you guys for a limited time. P-O-D-C-A-S-T is the code. You can get 30% off an already discounted price. So take out the guesswork, get rid of the learning curve and start making this deliciousness that can replace Coke to your family delicious carbonated drink, and it can truly improve your gut health. Go to solelyrested.com slash kombucha, K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A, solelyrested.com slash kombucha and use code podcast. Also last week, um, I reminded you of one last week to get a chance to win. If you're on YouTube, you see me looking I'm looking for the books to hold up for you. Here we go. A copy of Sweet Maple and a copy of Just Show Up. Drew Dick was on the podcast back in November. Really great episode if you haven't caught it. Um, I'm giving these away today. Everybody who has left a review since I had Drew on, everybody who's left a review over on Apple Podcasts, their names went in the hat. And the winner is, let me look it up. Drum roll, please. Um, Peeled four, P-E-E-L-E-D four is the name used when they left this review back on December 4th. It says informative and helpful. I love how in-depth and 
in-depth the information presented here is. This podcast is so informative, well-researched, and well-presented. Thank you so much, Peeled 4. You get a copy of both of these books coming your way. Just reach out to me so that I can get these mailed to you. Okay. Um, what else? What else? What else? There's something else before we dive in. Oh, one last week that you can have a chance to win free access to your choice of either Kombucha Academy or my other masterclass, Maple Syrup University, where I walk you through how to make your own sugars by tapping trees and you don't have to live in the maple belt and you don't have to own a maple tree. Trust me on this, guys. Um, If you're interested in a free, a chance to win free access to one of those courses and a copy of my book, all you have to do is go over to my YouTube channel, make sure you're subscribed and leave a comment on a recent video. It can be the video for this episode right now. If you're watching it on YouTube, just leave a comment, make sure you're subscribed, or it can be any of my recent videos. There's my newest one is about how to make the perfect cup of black tea. So pick a recent video, leave a comment and you're automatically entered. I will announce that winner next week. Okay. I have a question for you guys. Do you choose the crumbs and the dust off the floor when you're choosing your snack or your meal? Of course not. So why do we do this with our tea? It blows my mind. Did you know that in the average tea bag, it's literally the dust and the crumbs from the tea leaves? The good stuff is used for the loose leaf tea, the the fancier stuff, and all the crumbs are used for the tea bags. So if you would like to taste tea, if you've only ever used tea bags, if you'd like to taste the most amazing teas, the best of the best, please go check out sponsor of this episode. If you go to solelyrested.com slash teas, T-E-A-S, I not only share with you a special coupon code there and links to this amazing tea blends and teas in general, but I also link to my top favorite ones. If you're not sure where to start, go take a glance, solelyrested.com slash teas, T-E-A-S. Okay. So today we're talking about kombucha. I love talking about kombucha because I am really pretty passionate about it. I love making it. I love sharing the new flavors I've tried that are absolutely delicious. I share that over on Instagram a lot. If you're on Instagram, I have some highlights too, quite a few about kombucha that show you, you know, me making it gives you more details about it. But before we actually talk specifically about kombucha, I realized, I could be wrong, but I think in our episode last week about fermented foods, I don't think I made the actual connection. Like, I don't think I connected all the dots. I talked about why gut health is so important. And I mentioned how, what, what could be happening in our lives that, you know, you might have to worry about your gut health and pay more attention to it. And I know I mentioned that fermented food helps with gut health, but I think I just kind of just said that and moved on. I could be wrong. I could have went into more detail, but from what I remember. Um, so I thought, first of all, that's where we should start today. The why, why fermented food and drink like kombucha helps to heal our guts. Fermented foods are 
you probably know this, just preserved using a really age-old process that's been around for thousands of years. But it's more than that. It's not just about preserving the food. It actually boosts um, the nutritional value of the food. So it increases the shelf life. You know, you, instead of keeping a tomato, being able to keep it for just two weeks and then it's all moldy, you can keep a tomato for years if it's fermented. But it also puts more nutrition in that tomato after it's fermented than when it was fresh, which is mind-blowing because most food preservation methods deplete the food of vitamins and minerals and other nutritious, great stuff. It's still better for you, you know, if you're canning your veggies, still much better than if you're buying the canned veggies at the store because you're using fresh veggies and canning them right away and your process is better. So it's still better for you, but it's lost a lot of nutrients once you've canned it versus when it was fresh from the garden. That is not the case with fermented food because literally through the process of fermentation, chemical processes are going on that are increasing the amount of nutrients. So how does it work? There are actually microorganisms that convert carbohydrates into an acid or an alcohol that preserves the food. Now, in the case of kombucha, that microorganism, well, there's many of them, there's probably hundreds of thousands of them, in a SCOBY, which is spelled S-C-O-B-Y. It's an acronym, and each of those letters stand for something. It stands for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, SCOBY. And that is the microorganism that is doing all the work. And it's taking the sugars, which that is that simple form of carbohydrate, it's taking the sugars that you feed your fermented tea, and it's turning them into an acid that is preserving the tea sitting there on your kitchen counter. But the cool thing is, not only is your SCOBY working at making your drink really nutritious, or your culture of food is, you know, sitting there in the jar and getting more nutritious. But that fermented food and drink actually is giving your body an extra dose of healthful probiotics. There are live microorganisms in that kombucha or in your fermented foods. And those live microorganisms are so crucial to good gut health. So this is the little part of the story that I think I skipped over in last episode. You see, your digestive tract is teeming with a hundred trillion bacteria. And I didn't make that number up. I actually looked it up. A hundred trillion bacteria and other microorganisms are living in your gut at all times. And research today, the more we study gut health, the more research is realizing and revealing the importance of a really diverse intestinal microbiome. So the more diverse of the different organisms that you have, um, it's, it's really fine-tuning your immune system and it's helping your body ward off inflammation, which leads to so many nasty problems. So this means that fermented food, which is putting more of those wonderful microorganisms in your gut, is actually helping you lose weight, improve 
any kind of diabetic tendencies and ward off um, neurodegenerative diseases. Like all those things can be helped, pushed along, improved by fermented food and drinks because you're putting more of those great microorganisms into your gut that you've depleted. We talked last episode. If you missed that one, go back and definitely listen. We talked about the many ways in our modern society that all of us are absolutely depleting our gut of these wonderful microorganisms. So if you're drinking kombucha or eating fermented foods, you're putting them back in and you're replenishing the good stuff. Science may eventually, I actually was researching this this week before recording this episode, and I was really intrigued by this idea that science might eventually be able to pinpoint, this is crazy, and target very specific diseases or problems like weight gain and help people ward off those diseases or lose weight by adding very specific microorganisms into their gut. Isn't that amazing that medical doctors someday could actually take natural elements that are in the air around us and get the exact right ones to improve whatever health problems we're battling. So maybe that could be done instead of medicines and drugs. They could literally just know what microorganisms our gut needs and replenish it. Until then, eating some fermented food or drinking some kombucha is a wonderful step in that direction because even though you're not pinpointing a very specific microorganism out of those hundred trillion that exist and putting that exact perfect one in that you need, you're still gathering and collecting a whole bunch of wonderful ones that are just floating in the air in your home. It's being collected in your kombucha. That's why when you make kombucha, by the way, we'll talk a little bit about the details of making it. You keep it covered with a piece of fabric because that fabric is breathing, right? And it's letting those microorganisms pass through the fabric and into your kombucha, but it's keeping out the bugs and the gnats and the nasty stuff. So you need to have some sort of a cover on it, but you want to let the good microorganisms come in. Now, the environment that's created by the SCOBY, because it's, remember, we talked about how it takes the carbohydrates and the sugar and turns it into acid. That's creating an environment that doesn't allow the bad microorganisms to grow. Only the good ones can survive in this environment. So when you're drinking the kombucha, you're taking in those great microorganisms that are just floating around in your home. There's really no other way for us to capture it. Supposedly, from what Harvard University's medical website says, supposedly there's hope that someday our, our medical science might be able to figure out how to capture the exact perfect one in the air and put it where it needs to be in our guts. But until then, I'm very happy just taking all the ones that I can get and replenishing my gut with those through what I'm drinking, through a delicious, carbonated, bubbly, really yummy drink. So what exactly is kombucha? I haven't even said that yet. Sorry, guys. Kombucha is very specifically a fermented tea, and it's made by that symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, and you are adding to it on a regular basis. You're adding nutrition by adding the tea, the actual tea leaves that you're soaking in your water that you're then adding into your kombucha, and by feeding it a source of sugar, a source of carbohydrates. Um, 
where did it come from? We actually don't know. I actually, before I released my masterclass, um, Kombucha Academy, I actually spent some time really researching this because that was something I kind of just wanted to answer. I wanted to know and I wanted to be able to tell folks where did it come from? How did it originate? How do we know? How do we figure this out thousands of years ago and start drinking it? And unfortunately, from the best that I could uncover, we don't know. But there are a couple of things we know that are pretty cool. Some folks think that kombucha was first brewed a few thousand years ago as a vinegary drink that was like a ritual medicine only for the select most important um, Japanese monks and priestesses who were serving directly under the rulers of the time. And they called it when you, you can actually see it in the ancient Japanese literature, they called it the elixir of life. So, I mean, we can't know for sure. We just know it was a vinegary drink, but that sure does sound like kombucha. We'll talk, by the way, about how you can avoid it from being vinegary, by the way. Um, and then if you fast forward a little bit, there's also some documents written, um, by Genghis Khan's army. Supposedly the men would carry vinegary carrying bladders. So I'm guessing it's kind of like a canteen that had kind of a vinegary drink in it. So who knows? Maybe kombucha was behind the strength of the whole Mongol empire. Who knows? And then if you fast forward yet again, fermented foods and kombucha are regaining a huge amount of popularity today. They started to resurface in the 60s and 70s, but today it's like this resurgence of excitement over fermented foods and kombucha. And I think it's really just modern society's um, response to hundreds of years of urbanization hundreds of years of people no longer living an agrarian lifestyle, no longer growing their own food and being close to their food. And this is a very simple, doable way that anyone can be truly connected to their food and have fresh food preserved all year round and be making this amazing drink on a regular daily basis, no matter where they live in the world. Um, no matter whether they have any land available to them or not, it, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, you can absolutely ferment food and drink. And just by making some kombucha, you can genuinely improve your family's health. So what are some important things to know about kombucha? Um, first of all, I told you that you need to have the teas because the tea actually has nutrients that keep your SCOBY alive. And the main nutrient is tannins. Tannins are naturally occurring compounds in tea, in tea leaves. Um, typically, herbal teas do not have tannins, but I do have a little secret for you. You'll often hear people say, you can't use any herbal tea. You have to use tea with tannin. Um, most people will tell you you have to use black tea. That's really not true at all. I'm not sure why people think that's, I guess they just think it's the easiest way to make sure you're getting tannins and they don't want to explain what tannins are, but you definitely do not have to only use black tea. What you do have to use is tea that has tannins, but you can even use some herbal teas. It's tricky though, because if you're not using the right herbal teas, then you're going to kill your SCOBY. Um, I break down 
lots of details about that in Kombucha Academy, but I will tell you that Roibos, R-O-I-B-O-S, I think is how you spell it. It's a, it's a tea that's grown only in South Africa. It's a red leaf. It's a very tiny leaf and it's naturally sweet. It is an herbal tea that actually works very well for feeding your SCOBY and making kombucha. And I love combining it. I love making a blend using different percentages of rooibos, white tea, and black tea. Sometimes I'll add some green tea. Different reasons, those different teas will do different things for your brew. So it's good to know, you know, if you are having certain problems with your kombucha brewing correctly, you can add more of one tea or less of another. So that's, it's fun when you get into the details and how you, you learn that you can literally improve your next batch just by changing up your percentage of what kind of tea you're using. But, um, what I would say, I don't want to forget to say this, is it very important to me at least that I use organic tea for this. And I also don't want to use tea bags. When I first started making kombucha, I was using Lipton tea because that's what I was told by the person who gave me some SCOBY that this is the only thing you can do. You have to use Lipton tea bags. You just have to, or your, your SCOBY isn't going to live. I don't know why somebody told her that and why she passed the knowledge on to me because it's not true at all. But in the beginning, that's what I did. Um, but now I don't use tea bags because I don't want that little bit of bleach to become part of my fermented tea. That's just, that's gross. I don't want residue of bleach soaking in my ferment and feeding my SCOBY with that. And then just going on and on in the cycle. No, thank you. And I also don't want that to happen with any pesticides that might be on those tea leaves. When the Lipton company gathers up the tea from the fields, they don't wash them. They just shove them in the bags. Well, like I told you earlier, they actually just take the dust and the crumbs and shove those in the bags and the bags are bleached. So, you know, no, I would highly recommend using organic tea and make it loose leaf. So you don't have the bleached tea bags. Um, oh, also you need to know that you can't use any tea that has flavor involved for your first ferment because anything like Earl Grey, maybe, or like a citrus tea, or maybe you have a chai tea that you love any of those can actually harm your SCOBY and they're not going to have enough nutrients to feed your SCOBY. So while there are a lot of options, there are also a lot of things you should avoid. But once you just simply know those windows, you, you can have so much fun experimenting with the different taste profiles and how they impact your kombucha. Um, also something else you should know, it is, I'm thinking of this now in the winter here in New England, your kombucha is absolutely affected by the temperature of the environment. So it's not a bad idea to have a thermometer. They actually have stick-on thermometers. In fact, if you go to solelyrested.com slash kombucha products, everything I mentioned today and things I'm sure I won't get into that I highly recommend for making kombucha, you'll find at that page, solelyrested.com slash kombucha products, K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A products. Um, and anyway, they have stick on thermometers that you can literally just stick on your vessel that you're brewing your kombucha in and know at all times what the temperature is and know if you need to move it to a warmer spot. You can also put a heat mat under it. Believe it or not, there are companies that literally make 
mats just for this purpose. You're not going to find one of those on that page on my website that I just mentioned because I only have things there that are like actually valuable and cost effective. You don't need to buy a special mat that's three times the price of a heating pad. If you really want to put your brew on a heat source, you can use just a heating pad. But that's not what I do. I use a strand of lights, just plain old Christmas lights. I'll wrap it around the vessel, plug it in, and that is just the right amount of warmth to rise, to raise that temperature and keep the kombucha fermenting and brewing well. If it gets too cold, if it gets really cold, it could actually hurt your scoby. Your scoby could die and you could see mold forming. Um, that's not going to usually be the case in a home. But if it gets below the ideal temperature, what it's going to do is it's going to ferment a lot slower. So if it might only take four or five days until from start to finish, until you have kombucha ready to bottle in your second ferment, it might take a week, week and a half, two weeks if the temperature is a little on the cold side. So like I said, there are things you can do and there definitely are thermometers. You can measure that if you would like. Um, while the yeast does eat a good portion, something else I want to tell you, the yeast in the SCOBY that is, that is produced by the SCOBY, um, you actually see it floating at the bottom. If your kombucha is really healthy, you'll actually see little hairs and strand of yeast forming, which is really great. It's so good for your gut health. Um, but while the yeast does eat a lot of the sugar that you're feeding your SCOBY, like it's literally food for the SCOBY, um, there is going to be some residual sugar left behind. And the reason I want to tell you that is you might want to choose your sugar wisely. In the beginning, I totally just used the white refined sugar that you buy at the grocery store and that's okay. But when I started understanding more about not only how kombucha works, but also I started understanding more about the importance of choosing a good sweetener and just in our in our family's kitchen, you know, on our kitchen table, I wanted a better sweetener. Um, that's when I learned that I didn't want the residual sugar left behind in my kombucha to be something that wasn't really a very good sugar for me to be using in general. So these days I use an all natural organic cane sugar for my SCOBY for my kombucha, but I often will have two of them going at once. And I also love to use maple syrup in my kombucha. It makes for a different taste and it's just, it's, it's really good, <laughs> but I usually don't, I do too, because I'll be honest with you. Absolutely. The maple syrup is much more costly and I prefer it for certain flavors, but for other flavors, I really don't care if it's just my regular old cane sugar. So I'll do a smaller jar fed with my maple syrup and a larger one fed with my cane sugar. Anyway, all of that is just to say, think about your sugar and choose a good one for you. What about what tools do you need if you want to make your own kombucha? It can be really, really simple. You can get some pretty cool things and you'll see some of those on my website page, sillyrest.com slash kombucha products. But um, it can really be very simple too. You can literally use a mason jar to brew your kombucha. Ideally, a gallon jar would be nice because you're using much smaller than that. And you're not going to have a lot to drink, of course, but you can just get a gallon mason jar and a piece of fabric, any old scrap piece of fabric that you want to cut to fit over the, the jar, the top, a rubber band. You'll need some tea and you'll need some sugar. 
And honestly, the only thing that you probably don't already have in your house, probably everything else you already have is a SCOBY. You do need a SCOBY. I mentioned to you, if you caught that, that a friend gave me a piece to start my kombucha almost a decade ago. So if you know a friend that makes kombucha, ask them. They probably are swimming in extra because the SCOBY is always growing. So that is one option. Do keep in mind that depending on what teas they use, what sugar they use, and if their kombucha is really growing healthy, um, it might take you a while to get started because, I mean, you could ask them, sure, what tea do you use? What sugar do you use? Because your kombucha needs a, um, what's the word? A, a time to switch over. You know, it needs to gradually change if you're going to change it to a different sugar or if you're going to use a different tea. Otherwise, it could really get quite a shock and it could take weeks, maybe even months, honestly, to start growing and actively making some good kombucha for you. Um, so another option is to purchase one. And I have an absolute wonderful one that I would recommend. I, there's only one I recommend, honestly, because it's the one I know the most about. It is top-notch high quality um, at my website, at the page I mentioned. Um, oh, also there's a discount code there for the SCOBY. I forgot about that. I just remembered if you go to solelyrest.com slash kombucha products, by the way, there's no space in that. It's literally just kombucha products without a space. There's a discount code there as well. So it links to my absolute favorite SCOBY with a discount code. It's an amazing company. Highly, highly respect them. Um, what else do you need to know? When, okay, so I can't tell you exact amounts because there are variations. It depends on the size of your vessel to really be able to tell you how much tea, how much sugar. Um, and there's also two ways of brewing it. You can do a continuous brew, which is what I do, or a batch brew. And depending on what you're doing, you're going to need different amounts of teas and sugars. Also, another thing that I do is I make a concentrated tea blend that is highly concentrated with both tea and sugar so that I can keep that in my refrigerator. It keeps very well for six to eight weeks. And I can simply add a little bit of that and some water every time it's time to make more kombucha. And it makes it just so much faster and easier for me because otherwise you do have to boil your water and steep your tea for at least 10, 15 minutes, add your sugar, wait for that to cool, and then add it to your brewing vessel. If you don't wait for it to cool, your SCOBY could very well die. So you don't want to kill your SCOBY. You don't want to put really hot tea on top of it. So it's nothing complicated whatsoever, but because there are all those steps, I love having a concentrated tea blend in the fridge that I can just add a quarter cup of it and a pitcher full of water, and I'm good to go for my next round of kombucha. Um, oh, another question I get often is how do you know when it's done? Like, how do I know when it's time to put it into the second ferment? I'll explain what that is in a second. And honestly, it's a very simple answer. You taste it. That's one thing that's wonderful about DIY kombucha. You make it the way your family loves it. And if you like it to be a little bit vinegary, which some people do, some people love that about kombucha, that it tastes a little vinegary more power to you. Go for it. But if you don't like the vinegary, vinegary taste, then you simply want to stop the fermentation cycle sooner. So taste it. And after you get 
through a few rounds of making it, you'll have an idea of how many days, whether it's three days or six days later. And you'll also learn that as the seasons change and the temperature in your house is different in different seasons, that that will impact that range a little bit. But you'll get used to it and you'll know, oh, it's been four days. Let me test it, see if it's ready. A great way to test it, by the way, is to take a straw and just gently put it around the edge of the SCOBY between the SCOBY and the container that it's brewing in. And you know how you can cover the top of a straw and then it fills up and holds the liquid as you pull it out? Just do that. Put your straw in, cover it with your finger, pull it out. That gives you a nice taste to know if it's ready to move on to the next stage. You don't have to do it that way. I just have learned that that's an easy way to do it. So I thought I'd mention it. Um, Do you have to do another stage, the second fermentation? No, you actually, in fact, my daughter who has been brewing for years, she loves just drinking it at first ferment. She really doesn't care for the extra flavors. She just does the first ferment and then she's ready to drink it. I love experimenting with different flavors. That's what I love the most about kombucha, honestly, is the experimentation and trying different flavors because sometimes you get the most amazing options and it makes me so happy. Um, it's just fun having different flavors available every week. It's also really fun to make it and take it when I'm going to somebody's house for lunch or dinner, because in fact, people have started to kind of know me as the kombucha lady. Cause I do that a lot, but it's just super fun because it's not something anybody usually makes themselves or has on hand and to have different flavors all the time. People are like, Ooh, let me try this flavor. You know, it's just, it's really fun. So I like the second ferment. You absolutely do not have to do it. The only point to the second ferment is honestly to give your kombucha the flavor. Um, it is very good first ferment though. Depending on the teas that you use in that first ferment, it makes a big difference in your taste. So you actually have a lot of experimenting you can do with just the first ferment, trying out different varieties of teas and different percentages. You know, sometimes I'll put half rooibos and a quarter white and a quarter black, or sometimes I'll just put a quarter rooibos and three quarters black, you know, you can switch that around and it really does make for a different flavor profile. But if you want to get those different flavors, you do have to do a second ferment because you can't add the flavors in to your first ferment vessel that will kill your SCOBY. It will really confuse it. And over time it will literally die because some of those different flavors will be unhealthy for your kombucha. So if you want the flavor, you have to have a second ferment. So then you just take your tea out of that first ferment vessel and you put it into bottles. It doesn't have to be the fancy bottles. Sometimes it's fun to have those fancy narrow neck bottles with the flip top lids, but you can just use mason jars for that as well for your second ferment. As far as how to flavor it, um, this episode could go on another hour with me talking about all the different options, but let me just tell you, you can pretty much do whatever you would like, because this is your second ferment. It's not involving your SCOBY. It's just the kombucha tea and whatever you add to it. I will also tell you that if you're having any difficulties with it being too bubbly, because sometimes bottles can explode if you have too much carbonation building up, or if you have problems with it not being bubbly enough, you can add or not add different things at both stages, the first ferment and the second ferment to, to make that better the way that you want it. You really can nail this and get it exactly the way you want it. But, um, if you go to solelyrested.com slash kombucha, so without the products word at the end, just slash kombucha, 
and you scroll to the very bottom of that page, that page is all about my masterclass. But if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there is a link where you can click and you can enter into a free, totally free e-course all about kombucha. And there I will instantly send you some recipes as soon as you sign up there to um, try out with your making of kombucha. So you can get some recipes right there very easily, solelyrested.com slash kombucha. Um, let me see. I'll tell you some of my favorites. Some of my favorites. Well, my all-time favorite is not quite as easy to make as other things. My all-time favorite is blueberry lilac. I make a lilac sugar every spring or lilac syrup, I should say, which I make from the lilacs growing here on the farm. I collect the nectar from the flowers and I make a syrup and then I mix, I combine some of that. Let's say if it's a half gallon jar, I'll put probably about a tablespoon, maybe two tablespoons of the lilac syrup. And I'll add probably about a tablespoon worth of blueberries. If the blueberries are frozen and then chopped, that's going to give you the maximum amount of flavor. You can use less of them and you're going to get more flavor if they're both frozen and chopped up into little pieces, but you can just plop your whole blueberries into and they can be fresh, whatever. So that's my favorite. Um, instead of telling you combinations, let me just rattle off some great things to flavor them with. I love using frozen fruit. It's a great use for fruit that's getting close to its prime or past its prime, and nobody really wants to eat it anymore. Um, that's the case with citrus a lot in our house and you know, grapefruit and oranges. If you peel them, and cut them up, put them in a freezer safe container or bag. They will keep for a year or two without any problems. And you can literally just take them out of that freezer safe bag and put them right in your second permit kombucha. And that makes for a really yummy addition to flavor your kombucha. Ginger is another great thing that I love putting in my kombucha. I will go ahead and grate that up and freeze it grated in sections. Like I'll just, I'll make a little mound and flash freeze it and then put them in a bag. And then I can just take out a little mound of ginger out of the freezer and put it right in each bottle or jar. Um, I mean, any fruit whatsoever, any syrups whatsoever. You can literally add maple syrup to your second ferment for that maple flavor. It's not going to be as warm and as deep as if you're using maple syrup to feed your scoby in the first ferment. That's a different flavor, but you certainly can also just use maple syrup in your second ferment and it makes for a delicious kombucha. Um, I could go on and on. I mean, you could, you could use jams and jellies. You can use, um, like I said, any kind of syrups, any kind of sugary, any sugars. Um, you can use honey in your second ferment. Fruits are my big go-to though. I love using fruit. Raspberry is a really good one. That's a very flavorful kombucha. Um, oh, and you can use herbs. Lots of different herbs are great in kombucha. I like combining grapefruit and rosemary. That's a good combination. Watermelon and basil is a good combination. So there's a lot of options. It's really fun to play with. Some of those are also on my Instagram under those kombucha highlights I mentioned. Okay. Um, a few, let me see, what else did I want to tell you? A few, what did I list here? 
Some favorite ways to flavor the second ferment. We just went over that. Oh, teas. I didn't tell you. You can use teas to flavor your second ferment. And that's actually my favorite way to do it. I don't know why I didn't think of that. I'm glad I had my note here. Um, The reason it's my favorite is it's so, so easy. And it offers a variety of flavor that I can't do on my own. I just, I I can't make some of these flavors myself. Um, At that same page that I've been telling you all about, kombucha products page, there are quite a few teas there that I love. Some of them are made just for kombucha. They are literally made just for flavoring your second ferment kombucha. Pretty cool. Yeah. Other ones there are delicious teas to drink hot or as iced tea, but I love using them for flavoring my kombucha as well. There is, I'm trying to think of what some of them are. Um, Oh, there's a very berry citrus. That's what it's called. That makes for delicious kombucha. There's a mimosa tea so good for kombucha. And then all you have to do after it is fermented the length of time that you want it to in that second ferment, you just strain out the tea as you're going to drink it. So when you bottle it from your first to your second ferment, you just put your fermented tea in your bottle and then you add just a little bit of those tea leaves, whether it's that very, very citrus or that mimosa or the ones that are specially made just for kombucha. You, oh, my favorite one of those, by the way, it's called those ones that are made just for kombucha, it's called cherry almond. This probably, now that I think about it, is probably my favorite tea to use for kombucha because it tastes a little bit like Dr. Pepper. It's really good. It's called cherry almond. And I linked to that at solelyrested.com slash kombucha products. Oh, so anyway, back to what I was saying. You just put a little bit of that. So if I'm using a half gallon jar to do my second ferment, I will typically put about a tablespoon of the tea leaves, whichever one that I'm using to flavor that second ferment. You let that tablespoon of tea leaves just settle down and sit in there. Sometimes I'll take my jar and I'll shake it up and down because that helps the process go on a little bit faster. Sometimes I'm really anxious and I really want to drink this kombucha, so I'll shake it a lot. (laughs) But you'll see the color change almost instantly. You see the tea leaves infusing your kombucha. And usually a day is all you need, sometimes even less than that. I'll just not be patient and I'll drink it sooner. But then when you're ready to drink it, you just have to get a strainer and pour that kombucha through the strainer so it captures your tea leaves and you're ready to drink it. It's that easy. So good. All right, before we wrap this up, I had asked over on Instagram a couple days ago in my stories if anybody had any questions about kombucha because I was going to be recording this and I wanted to know things that you guys want to know. So let me look at my list. Desperately Seeking Susie asked me, can kombucha be made without cane sugar? Absolutely. Like I had said earlier, depending on where you're sourcing your SCOBY, it will depend on how you do this. But most likely, let's say you want to use maple syrup to um, feed your SCOBY in the first ferment. It's very unlikely you're going to find somebody who's doing that. Maybe you know a friend who's doing that. Great. Then you can just take a piece of their SCOBY and go for it. But it's very unlikely. And if you purchase the one that I highly recommend, it's not fed with, it's fed with organic cane sugar. So that's okay though. You just have to gradually wean it off of the sugar and introduce it gradually to the maple syrup. So I walk through this. There's a whole module in Kombucha Academy on just this topic because it's something important to understand. It's so simple, 
but you have to do it in steps. And, you know, so you'll have the first time you feed it, it'll be mainly whatever the source was before, which is probably going to be cane sugar and a little bit of maple syrup. And then the next time that you feed it, it'll be almost all cane sugar and a little extra maple syrup, et cetera, until you eventually work your way to no cane sugar and all maple syrup. But that's important because your SCOBY otherwise is going to actually start starving because it needs to get used to this new food source. And as long as you do it gradually, your SCOBY will totally adapt and be very happy being fed by the maple syrup. So yes, you absolutely can have kombucha without cane sugar. Next up, what else do I have here? Julia mom 44 asked, how do I start? I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> well then I hope Julia, you're listening to this episode. Um, but I would say if you know nothing, first of all, find a mentor. If you can, if you have a friend or a neighbor who's making it, go hang out with them for a few hours and find out all you can and get them to give you whatever it is that they have that they'll share with you to get you started. Um, but if that's not possible, then definitely look into Kombucha Academy because you're doing exactly that, but you're joining me in my kitchen and I'm walking you through it. Um, and then another option, if you don't have those options, you could get a starter kit and that's going to help you a lot because it's going to give you everything you need in one box delivered to your porch step and you're ready to get started. So I list my favorite starter kit on the kombucha products page as well. And there's also a discount code for that. So it's a great price because it's a kit and they've already discounted it. And then there's also an extra coupon code that they've given me just for you guys. So if you want to get started and just don't know how to start and don't want to worry about gathering the right things, get a starter kit. And actually, you know what? The discount code, what it's for, I just remembered is for more free tea. That tea is delicious. I was thinking a few weeks ago that I should get some more of that. It is a special blend you will find nowhere else that is just for first ferment kombucha. And it's really delicious. I don't know the combination of teas they use. I should experiment and see if I can recreate it maybe, but they're fantastic, that, that company and the tea that they offer. And you get a free bag of it if you use my coupon code with the starter kit. So go check it out at solelyrested.com slash kombucha products. I might wind up dreaming that phrase in my sleep tonight. <laughs> um, Caroline Kate 10 asked me, I have a small piece of SCOBY. How do I make it larger? Great question. See, Caroline probably got a small piece from a friend, right? Which is great. Um, believe it or not, a SCOBY grows on its own, especially if you know the right tips and tricks to really have a healthy brew, that SCOBY is going to grow pretty quickly. And it is going to fill the top of the liquid in your jar. Now it's going to take, depending on how big it is, it could take maybe a month, maybe two months to get to the point that it fills in the whole top of the liquid. Um, but be patient with it. If it's really small, if the source that it came from wasn't a really active, healthy source of brew, if you don't know quite the right things to do, it could very well be that it doesn't grow or it doesn't survive. But if it has all the right elements that it needs, it will grow rather quickly. I will tell you though, it might look weird. It will look weird. It will definitely look weird. <laughs> I think this might be the number one question I get from Kabucha Academy students. They'll send me pictures and they'll be like, is this okay? Because you see when the SCOBY puts out new growth, 
it is like a clear, not really clear, cloudy clear looking. It doesn't look like the actual SCOBY itself. The SCOBY itself is like a beigey brown. You can't see through it. But this new layer that it puts out is definitely, you you can see through it. Um, And it looks, sometimes it gets spots on it. And it just looks weird looks like that can't be good. That's got to be like mold growing or something. And that's what people often think, but it's just the new growth of the SCOBY. So just so you know, it might look a little weird, but it is going to grow. And eventually it's going to totally fill it in and be that dark, um, not see-through, not transparent, um, you know, thick layers of SCOBY eventually. Marie Long, she had a couple questions. She asked, I want all the second ferment ideas. (laughs) We just covered that. So hopefully Marie listens and gets that. And then she asked, what can I do with way, with a lot of A's, way overripe kombucha vinegar? Great question. Um, Even when you know everything there is to know about making kombucha and you have nailed it and you've perfected it, there are going to be times where life, you know, takes over and you forget about the kombucha. It's just going to happen. Or you're going to go away on vacation and you come back and it's like, oops, it's a little too vinegary now. That's okay though. Never, ever throw away your vinegary kombucha. It's good for a whole lot of things. In Kombucha Academy, we go through a whole lot of things and I give you recipes and detailed ideas, but I will tell you right here. Um, wow, this is getting long. I need to wrap this up. I will just tell you my favorite way to use it as a cleaner. I simply take that vinegary kombucha and I add my favorite essential oils and I add a spray bottle lid to my jar and it's my favorite kitchen cleaner. It does an amazing job of cleaning the kitchen counters. If you don't want to use essential oil, you can even use actual like citrus slices and let it soak in the vinegary kombucha for a few days. Take out your orange slices or whatever it is. And it's just, it's a fantastic cleaner. Highly recommend. Sometimes I even think, man, I wish I had some vinegary kombucha available because I need more cleaner. Um, Okay. So I think that's it. I want to remind you that there is a giveaway going on over on YouTube for a copy of Sweet Maple and free access to Kombucha Academy or my Maple Syrup University. Just go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Solely Rested, and um, comment on a recent video. That's it. Every single comment that's on a video in the past two months, it's going to be entered for a chance to win. We'll be announcing that in the next week or two, I think. And I'll have a calendar here, but it's, it's coming up. Um, and don't forget, you can get 30% off Kombucha Academy with code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Just go to solelyrested.com slash kombucha. Check that out. Find out more about it and take 30% off the already discounted price with code podcast. Okay. Gosh, I love talking about kombucha. So I hope I didn't go on for too long. I hope that there were some really interesting things for you there. And I hope I encouraged you between last episode and this one, in one way or another, find some fermented food or drinks, start making them and start enjoying them. They're delicious. They're so good for you. Your gut, your gut called me the other day and it told me that you need this. Just saying. All right. Thanks for listening, friends. And remember, I know it's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy those simple everyday efforts. They aren't easy, but it's a good life.